Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. There is a rise of grey divorces currently in Australia. So today we're going to be covering the types of divorces you can be going through when you're grey, which which I find a little insulting, Mum, because I have grey hair in some areas and I'm not in my age bracket that they are referring to. So grey divorces, they're saying around 50-year-olds and onwards. Up to, yep. I've seen up to 80-year-olds get divorced. So today we're going to be talking about those types of divorces, those ones. There's four types that we're going to touch on today. That's those who've been married for 30 to 40 years, those who married really young, or those who are on their second or third marriage, or those who've ended up accidentally in a de facto relationship by living with a partner, or those who've accidentally been separated due to illness or retirement home locations, etc. So it it's a different type of divorce. And mum, we're going to discuss some things that people might not have thought about yet and some considerations that you might need to keep in mind if you are currently going through a grey divorce. And my apologies again for anybody <laughs> who's insulted by that because I know I'm grey and uh, there's nothing wrong with that, is there mum? Well, yes, I think we mean the really, really greys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the average divorce age is going up. We just had a look a minute ago. Mm. Men at, in, as of 2021 was 46 and women were 42. But I think that's even gone up since then, hasn't it, Mum? I, I think it probably has. But also so is the age of getting married. It's crept yeah. up slightly over the last sort of uh, 20 years. So there's a lot of different things that maybe people don't have to think about so much. And and one of the differences I think people need to consider, and you mentioned this straight up, let's let's knock this one out of the park to start with, mum, is no kids or kids. Yeah. If there's kids, what is it that you've noticed in grey divorces that you've done that people need to be aware of if you're breaking up, you're a grey divorce and you've got kids who yeah. are probably adults? Yes. Well, when I say no kids, I mean that there's usually no custody arrangements have to happen and no provision for the care of children. But adult children can be a real problem for those people who are going through a separation or divorce as when they're older, particularly, Laura, if it's not their father or their mother uh, that's the other Mm. party, if it's been a second marriage, for instance, uh, then Mm. the kids can be quite problematic. But from a purely legal point of view, when we're looking at future needs, kids is off off the table if, if you haven't got any under 18. So that's that problem solved. I think the adult children, um, which we'll talk about later, that sort of interference and those issues uh, loom large in the mind of of an older person getting divorced because they want it to be fair for the kids. Can we talk about what separation is? Like what what is the definition of separation? Because you said some people in in the grey divorce world might get confused by what the legal term of separation is. Yeah, it's a funny thing. So... What separation, it's defined in the act, but what separation is, is two people living apart because of a conscious choice of one of the parties. I think it's the best way of doing it. So there, um, I might have mentioned this case years ago. There was a a doctor, I think from uh, New Zealand, who in his mind 
he was leaving his wife and he flew, I think, to the Cook Islands to live there and he had a partner there. And as far as he was concerned, the marriage was done and dusted, but he never said anything. The court held that wasn't a proper divorce. You've got to let the other person know. But another sort of separation is the ones where you're separated through illness or or just business or work. That's definitely, uh, under the family law, not counted as a proper separation. And that came up to be tested uh, in Stanford, where the lady, it was a second marriage of these people, although they've been married since 1971. The lady ended up in a nursing home and her children brought an application to the court while she, while she was still alive to get the, the husband in this case out of the house, I think, and to get some property divided between for their mother to support her in the nursing home. But the evidence was that he was visiting her. He was still paying for her nursing home needs and that at the time that she went into the nursing home, they were an intact couple. They were still getting along fine and they were a married couple. And it went all the way to the high court. Everyone had a little chop at it from on the way up, That a single judge, a full court decision. But the high court said that the court has to consider whether it's just and equitable to have a property settlement. That's the first step. And in this case, where the parties essentially had a, an intact marriage, there was no grounds for bringing an application at all. So in older people, that happens more often. Someone gets mm-hmm. ill or dare say one of the children comes up and sort of takes the, the other person to their place or, you know, there's a bit of, it can be an element of elder abuse in taking their autonomy away from them, particularly if you haven't got on with the stepmother or or you're worried, let's, let's, the elephant in the room, Laura, they're worried about their inheritance. All right. So, so mm. what you're saying is the adult kids mm. talking about inheritance, ironically, we just did an episode on that, yeah. but they're worried. Oh my gosh, my inheritance, I'm going to miss out. So I'm going to make my parent do the legal things to make sure that I, I mean, surely not everyone thinks like that. No, but it's in their mind. Yeah. 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 Okay. They're always worried. You know, it's on the classic sort of movie theme thing where an older man marries a young, attractive woman and everyone's going, ah, oh, oh, you know, what about our inheritance? Because their estate will go to their partner. All right. So when we're talking about ill health uh, and we've, t- we've talked about what separation is, actually, we should probably touch on then. So there are people that have been together forever. And then sadly, you know, something happens and they have to go to a retirement village. But then there's also those people that have obviously, maybe they've had a partner who's passed away and they've just kind of recoupled, Mm. like they've got a girlfriend or something Mm. that they hang out with for for comfort reasons. But do some people get into a bit of trouble Mm. with with particularly the older generations understanding what de facto is? Yeah. So what does de facto mean? A genuine living together, uh, living together on a genuine domestic basis. I don't know if that helps you much with the definition. For, Does that mean like cooking dinner, kind watching of. TV together? Yeah, there's all those sort of little tests they look at. So when when we first saw this legislation for de facto, we worried that living in a, uh, spending a couple of nights in a, a student accommodation might accidentally make you de facto with all or any of them. So it's got to be the two years and it has to have been, usually you may not have your own one common residence, but it might be going between the various residences. So that actually, so if you've got, if you're listening and you've got a partner who lived in their own house, Mm. but you just visited each other all the time, that can be 
counted as de facto. Yep. In fact, you could have someone, and there have been cases of people married who have a de facto partner at the same time. Oh dear. In other premises. So yeah. So there are a whole second tests. Okay. So keep that in mind if that's if you're going through that. Now the other thing we need to talk about, Mum, that you really do say people get tripped up with a lot in in the grey divorce is houses and furniture. Yeah. What, what kind of things do you see in grey divorces that's different from normal divorces yeah. of younger people? I think it's, it comes from grey relationships where they start dating when they're older. And by the time you're 50 or so, 60, you've got, you usually have a house, your own furniture, and they have two houses and two furniture, lots of furniture. And so uh, they might move into one person's house and sell the other place and sell the other person's furniture and then, or they might even both sell their houses and then move into one house together, all of those things. And what happens when they separate then is that there's, there's this real sad feeling that you've, you've lost what you had, that you had your own house and you had your own furniture and you were perfectly happy until this happened and, and then, yeah. And so there's a lot of recrimination and I've had a lot of cases, particularly in older people, where they want to write down everything they had, all the furniture they sold and lost and they want to be reimbursed for all of that. There's a, there's just a lot of hurt because their stuff has become their stuff and selling it was a huge sacrifice and now you, ha- you can't get that back again. So it, mm-hmm. it does become – and it's worse if people move into one house and then – the relationship's over. The person who leaves is usually, you know, they didn't own that house and they've got nothing. So what can our listeners do if they mm. are in, find themselves in that situation where they're the ones they've gone, they've sold their house, they've sold their stuff, they've moved into their partner's place and now they have to move out again because obviously they're probably not going to be the ones who want to stay even though they technically would be allowed to be the one that stays. What can they do or what do you suggest to them to to make sure that it's fair? Mm, well, we can't sort of cry over spilt milk. That's the thing. I never say that to a client, but you can't get those things back. And it's not the insurance value. It's the sentimental value that you're sad about, but it's gone for good. But they're allowed to have the furniture that in the house that they were living in, sure. They'd like to have, yeah, it, but usually they will have got rid of some of that, particularly in a controlling relationship. They have to sell all of theirs. But the in stuff the new that's house. still there in the new house that says they can take with them, yes. Well, even if it's not theirs, like if it's like just because it's it was there when they moved in, no, surely doesn't mean they can't take can't that. No, not. I mean if they brought any furniture with them, they can take that okay. out. Yeah. Okay. So uh, couples traditionally cherry pick the best of the house, what they've got, you know, and then. Mm combine the best things. Yeah, so it is very sad. And if you've got to move out, um, they can find themselves having to start from scratch, paying stamp duty and everything when when they didn't before. But the thing to remember is that you're still entitled to a share of the property. Uh, If Mm. you've been together for two years, you still have property settlement and the furniture you had and what you sold from your old, old place, that's a contribution from you. So even if it's all gone now, even if it's even if you used all your money, I've heard of some people using it on home improvements on the other person's house, that doesn't mean they get to keep that with no compensation. And it may be uh, that, you know, the person whose house was renovated may have to sell it to properly compensate the other person. So so that's like a situation. Also too, generally with older people, uh, they may both be retired. 
and mm. then they both be getting the pension. So yeah. what happens then? What mm. happens when, when they're both getting the pension? How do you figure out what's what there? For, for property settlement? Yeah. It doesn't really matter. They'll get their share. They'll both be on the same footing, you see. Where it gets tricky is if one person's living off their superannuation and one person only had Centrelink payments before, because you know the court only looks at, says that you can, you have to ignore Centrelink payments when you, when you're looking at future needs. So, you know, there might have to be a splitting of superannuation as well. It's hard because people have no energy for this. So, so if you're, if you're the one who's on pension, mm. so that's Centrelink payments mm. and your, and your ex is the one that had super and was living off that, mm. when you separate and when you're doing the property settlement, the pension's not included and then you split the super. Yeah, you might have just split the super to live. So when you move in with someone, you probably, you may not be eligible for super, for your pension anymore. That has to oh, be, yeah, didn't. So you would both be living on the superannuation. Right. Um, that's just, it, they're all hypotheticals, but these are things that happen differently with gray, gray relationships. So what about spousal maintenance? Can you apply for spousal maintenance if you're a gray divorcee? Yeah. Yes, you can. Do you yeah. do it differently or is it the same? It's the same. It's the same. Uh, the difference only is usually that um, the court's not going to expect you to look for work, so it's going to be taken as understood that you can't work, or that your ex can't work, um, because, or that you can't get a job because you're over sixty or whatever, or you you're over fifty and you're a builder and you can't do it anymore. That sort of thing. Mm. And so, so there's more of a risk of spousal maintenance in a grey divorce than in a younger divorce. So that's what I was mm. about to say. What's the yeah. likelihood of What's the likelihood of getting spousal maintenance as an older person? And it's pretty high. It is pretty high, even if the relationship wasn't terribly long. So there's big risks in, in put, throwing your lots in together and, um, you know, in the relationship. Of course, there's all the benefits and people go in, and I'm sure lots of them are very successful uh, relationships. I'm but sure anybody who's having a successful relationship right now is not listening, listening to this. <laughs> and anyone who's, who's in a situation like that and may consider one in the future, I think I have to say to you, prenup. Mm, prenup. <laughs> and it's probably what your kids would be saying to you anyway. And we've got an episode on that, how to mm. protect your property in your new relationship. So I'll put that yeah. in the show notes yeah. so that you can listen to and that. Okay, so pensions, spousal maintenance, furniture, Another thing that you mentioned, Mum, was traditional roles. Yeah, traditional roles and the grey divorcee. So, can you explain what what about traditional roles have you come across that causes problems? Well, so your grey divorcees, the ones I'm thinking of, has grow, have grown up in the fifties and sixties, right? And mm-hmm. uh, they might be looking for the the your partner or the great new grey partner might be expecting he does all the money and you do all the housework and you do all the cooking and you do all the housey stuff. And that can trigger separations quicker than than usual because uh, it, it doesn't show up until you're both living in one house and suddenly this person who's perhaps been independent or has moved with the times uh, finds themselves being thrust into this sort of traditional role and it doesn't work. Yeah, and they often find too that um, if if they've been raised that way, uh, they do hand the finances over to their their new partner, and they mm-hmm. can be they can lose a lot of money. 
You know you can find us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. We're there waiting for you right now. If you want to get more out of The Divorce Course, all you have to do is go to The Divorce Course Podcast at Facebook or TikTok or The Divorce Course on Instagram. There we share bite-sized pieces of information and bite-sized inspiration and motivation to help you through this difficult time. Come and join our community and let us know you've joined. We'd love to see you there. There's a lot of sweet talking that I've come across, very smooth talking older gentlemen who seem to sometimes take advantage of women on their own. So do you find in the divorce negotiations for a grey divorce that some women in particular are, because they're from that era, feel like they should still do what their ex-husband is telling them to do. Do What would you say to any of the grey divorcees listening today who are from the, the, the good old days, the 50s and 60s, who have that traditional role understanding? What, what pep talk can you give them to make sure that they go in and fight for what's there? Think of your, all of the things you've achieved in your life and there's, and look at what young people, young women are achieving now. You're no different to those young women. It's just the world has changed and the world has changed now. You can stand up for yourself. No one's going to think of you as a, as a harridan or a nag or, a, or anything like Jezebel. that. <laughs> you're just a human being and the world has moved forward. And if you're feeling oppressed because you feel like you've got to do the cooking and, and be controlled by your, if you're feeling that that's not right, that's because you're more mature and you're more of a modern person. So don't let that stop you getting your fair share. Now, when it comes to future needs, hmm. um, in, in, in non-grey divorces, the future needs can be quite different. Yeah, they can. Uh, because people could have all sorts of things. So what, what, mm. what little differences are there in future needs mm. for, and that's part of how the property pool division is considered, what future needs, what's the issue with future needs in grey divorces? So we're talking about Section 75.2 in marriages and it's a Section 90-something for, for de facto relationship. And the difference is that, if you if you separate or divorce in your 30s or 40s, which is your average age, I think 40-something, you've both got a future where you can work and rebuild yourselves. So the court doesn't look miles into the future. They just look, how, how are these people going to be? If we divide it on properties, on contributions, how are these young people going to be in, say, five or 10 years? But with older people, dare I say elderly people, they have to look like they've only got the 10 years lifespan. They don't, you know, also 10, 20, they don't have an option to go back to work usually, or they've only got a short working life to re, to readdress or rebalance their finances. So the court tends to want to go towards equality, um, pretty well. All things being equal, like in, in contributions wise, contributions, sorry, they assess your contributions, but future needs um, is usually equal unless one of you is ill. Or, or quite ill, and then there might need to be an adjustment and maybe even a spousal maintenance claim. But yes, so it's more often equal for older people than it is equal for younger people getting divorced for future right. needs. Yeah. So when it comes to ill health, mm. like how is that dealt with if one of the parties is really sick mm. and the other isn't? Uh, and maybe even, you know, they've only got a year to live or something like do, does, do they get more of the property pool like no no so illness is like a the the ill person would mm. normally get more of the property pool 
But there comes a point if they're so ill that their prognosis is poor, Mm. uh, then the brutality of it is their future needs aren't going to be as long um, as the other person's future needs and then they begin to get less because the role is not to enrich their them their coffers, I guess, for handing down to their children in their estate. Well, that's where I see the problem because <laughs> there's be there's kids out there that are like, this is not fair. Mm. You're going to pass. My parents are going to pass on, and the person who's married my parent is going to get most of the property pool. So is this where it becomes really nasty? And there's adult children involved in the fight. It can be. It can be. It can be mitigated by the older person using some good strategies in their wills to make right. it clear, okay, about that, or even giving gifts while they're alive to the children. Ah. But yeah, I mean it's you think about it making a, a a movie, like this would make a whole series. I think most of those American series were based yeah. on uh, children who are angling for the inheritances. Look at mm. is it succession. The yes, ones? I was going to say that. But so when you say, well, instead of that, you could just give gifts. Like, mm. are you allowed? Are you allowed to during the property settlement to just go to your, you know, fifty-year-old son? Here you go. Here's, here's a car. No, you're not allowed to do that during property settlement and after right. separation. And you're probably not allowed to do it in anticipation of separation. But, right. But throughout, you know, in the while you're alive, you can give money to your children. Right. Um, it, it, some people on pensions have limits, of course. But yes, course. and a, a goodwill is the key. A goodwill is the key because you know, and and if you're in a grey re- relationship, um, you want to make sure that your partner has put provision for you to stay in the house or to leave the house. You know, in the event mm. of your death, that's the sort of thing where everyone ends up in a bit of a barney, and that's where Stanford went. Stanford, um, it, he was in the house, and I think the house might have been in her name, and the children wanted him out, wanted to mm. sell the house. Mm. And they didn't, he didn't ended up not getting no. out. Mm. Wow. Okay. So not only are you dealing with, you know, your grey years, not that there's anything mm. wrong with that, which might be fun by the sounds of things, but you're also dealing with, separation and potentially illness and you know people you know the end like the shorter part end of of your journey so what things can people do in this mum how can they make the separation process the least painful for them like is it what can they do differently so okay. it doesn't drag on because when you think about it, most divorce, most divorces I've heard about, like the the stories we hear on TikTok oh. and Facebook and stuff, these divorces they battle it out for a year, then they go to court and court drags on for three years. The last thing a grey uh, divorcee is going to be wanting to do is be fighting out in court for the next five years, all yeah. this money or all this drama. Yeah. So what can they do to make it go smoothly and get the heck out okay. of well, your life? If you haven't started your property settlement application in the court, that is filed an initiating application or an applic- uh, or um, even an application for consent orders um, or signed a financial agreement, then you should do that as soon as possible uh, because you can't have a property settlement if one of the people is dead unless it's started before they died. So really? in the event that you actually pass away, um, unless you've started proceedings in the court, uh, then your property goes pursuant to your will. And if you hold your house in, as tenants, 
as joint tenants, it immediately goes to your ex-partner, your partner or your ex-partner. Yeah, even if you've separated, the only protection, of course, is divorce where they're dealt with as though they had died before you. So that's one thing. Don't muck around too long with bringing an application in the court. That case of Stanford, and I think it's not their real name, um, the lady did die um, halfway mm-hmm. through, but she was very ill. Before it's important to note that this is a community edu- what's education. Okay. So this is not legal advice. You must always get your individual legal advice, but this is what mum would suggest to someone if she saw them. Yeah, that's right. So yes, yeah, so uh, apart from saying do it better when you get together and hedge your bets, if we get people in who are um, already in an un- unfortunate situation or if, uh, if I was in that situation, I would th- this is what I'd do and I'd I would don't make the case the centre of your existence. You haven't got a lot of runway left, so enjoy your freedoms. Gather fierce friends around and um, be robust in advocating for yourself. Uh, It's really hard if they've been bullying you for 30 years or if they are old school bullying, um, but you've got to stand up for yourself. And uh, think about with with the settlement, and this again is general advice, but if they come up with, if there's, if you get close to what you think is fair, I think a lot of people at, at the older stage of life, at my stage of life, would settle for that rather than keep fighting and wasting money. Because the, the difference, biggest difference between older people and younger people is younger people are going to make more money in their lifetime. There's more money coming to them. Older people usually no longer have either the capacity to borrow. Uh, the banks won't lend them or the capacity to keep earning. And so you don't want to be wasting your precious resources. And and I think it might be important to note when you are gathering your fierce friends, maybe not your kids, because I think in in an, a young adult's mind, they can see the value in fighting for five years for mm-hmm. uh, a certain amount of money because they know they, that might get some of it later themselves, but they don't know what I guess it would be like for you not wanting to spend the last, you know, 20 years of your life in court. So, you know, I guess make sure you're getting help and support from people probably your same age. Do you think, Mum? I think so. And I think that uh, children may be outraged on your behalf and angry on your behalf and they may be wanting revenge and to to fix it. It might not be just money. It, It might be out of love for you. And uh, they haven't reached your years of wisdom, <laughs> knowing how to, you know, do an Elsa, let it go. Hmm. And I guess that's if the two parent or the two people together have got separate types mm. of kids. But I guess when it comes to grey divorce, if you've got adult kids and you've been married for fifty years or however long, I guess it would be really hard, really, really hard for like if they've been stuck with, say, a narcissist or an abusive relationship for that person to then step out 50 years later and go, all right, I'm going to claim what's mine mm-hmm. and I'm going to stand up for my rights. It would be, I, we, we speak to and deal with people all the time who've been in coercive control relationships for five years or 10 years yeah. and it's really hard for them to change. It must be even harder. And, and it is hard because sometimes the children, are like, you know, little kids, they always want their parents back together again. The children will be resistant usually. Uh, with a separation and want the parents to stay together. And if you're the one rocking the boat, you may find them being in, disapproving, but you know, you've got to live your own life and yeah. they need to come to terms with it. They've got their own grief. 
Yeah. You know? And I, look, I've heard some really sad stories recently um, from people who listen to this podcast, you know, where the, the kids have gotten involved and the grandkids are being used to persuade and, and there's a lot of horrible stuff that can go on and that, that, you know, normal uh, younger divorces don't even have to deal with. Like they're worried about losing their children in, in a children's custody battle. They're not worried about losing their children and their grandchildren. So it is a whole different. So I think it's really important. And maybe I know a lot of older people, they're much more stoic and keep calm and carry on, but maybe go see a psychologist and get them to give you some hands because it is going to be a different life and a change to what it is that you're used to. And I think it does take, it does take a, a, a stoic mindset, but also you are going to have to change the way you think. And I know what they say. It's really hard to teach an old dog new tricks. You know that saying, Mum? No, I don't, Laura. Explain <laughs> <laughs> that to me. <laughs> and I'm not saying that we're teaching your old dogs and I'm not saying that, uh, you know, any of this is tricks. But if you've been doing the same thing over and over again for a long time, you might need some extra help. So you, you do. I think you've been programmed. If you're in a, if you've been in a particularly narcissistic relationship, not only have you been programmed, you may find, um, I find that the kids have been triangulated against you as well, or they might line up some with you and some with your ex. And I remember, um, hearing a story. This was back in the 90, early 1990s, uh, where a 22 year old girl physically dragged the wedding rings off her mother's fingers. And I'm sure she regrets that, but she had been sort of, you know, aligned with her father by inappropriate. So even though kids are growing up, they still have the same hurt feelings about separation. And I do remember Judge Bell once refusing to have a 40-year-old daughter of the relationship come in to give evidence. He said, she's a child of the marriage. (laughs) She's gone in from Mount Isa, Your Honour, someone said, and, uh, and she's 40. And the judge said, I don't care if she's 50. She's still a child of the marriage and she's not giving evidence in my court. So, yeah, because he had a pretty good understanding, obviously, of the impact on kids. So the whole family disintegrates. It's, it's hard to walk away. And it's really hard when you think you've probably stayed there. A lot of women have stayed there for the benefit of the family. And then they see everyone set up and they go, right now I can have some me time. I don't have to put up with it anymore. And then there's this awful pressure mm. on you to just go back, back in your box. If you are. If you feel like maybe there's some elder abuse going on with with the, with your children, uh, if they're forcing you to stay or if they're forcing you to see a lawyer to change wills, etc., <gasps> definitely ring one eight hundred Elder Help. And the number is one eight hundred three five three three seven four. And that's Tell a me free- that number again. <laughs> and it is a free call phone number automatically redirects to callers seeking information advice on elder abuse Mm. and I think in the divorce situations for greys I think that's something that everyone needs to look out for on top of the general domestic violence situations that can occur um, and you can always call 1-800-RESPECT. You are f- suffering from that. Or if you feel like you are in danger, of course, call the police. Yep, absolutely. Well, that was a bit of a down point on it. But on the positive side, yes. people are happily married. The next time they might be lucky. And, oh, and so you can go right, next yes. time. Do you yep. know what I, I, I envisage if um, I think a, a great idea would be to get your property settlement, and I know you would love this idea, Mum, but you're happily married, I know that, but jump on a ship and go on a cruise and just oh. enjoy your your freedom and, yep. and 
and and look, I I've got a pop, and he he's been ha- he, um, my grand passed away a, a while ago, but he repartners and he's happy. You know, you can go and find love again. There's no rules, mm-hmm. and I as I'm going to say it now, gray hair is cool. Okay, gray <laughs> hair is actually cool. So this mm-hmm. gray divorce thing, I, I don't like the term, but I, I get it. It is a different world, mm-hmm. and it is a, it can be a lot more drama. Yeah. So. I hope that you are all okay. I think a lot of the older people, I mean, I know with my friends, not many of my friends aren't on social media mm. and uh, we don't have that connection that, that younger women can have and support each other. Uh, so it, it is harder, but you lean on your friends. Chances are if you've been in a narcissistic relationship with them, they didn't like him anyway, so they'll be there for you. Go and find a craft group or a, po- yeah, a botanist group or go join some jewellery making or Star something. Diving. Make some new friends. Yeah. yeah. All right, Mum, thank you so much. Hopefully you're not going to go through grey divorce anytime soon, Mum. I'll be very upset. But- <laughs> <laughs> it's already the child oh, having an appointment. See? Pressure. See? Yeah. Wow. No, you Isn't do what you need to do, Mum. Because, because it matters to to the children that their grandkids have got a stable. Grandparents said so there are unique pressures um, on, unique. on a grey divorce. Yeah. Hmm. But that's okay. So far, so good, Laura. <laughs> Coming up 30 years next year. So okay. I think it's too hard to frame another man. All right. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. All right. All our best to everyone listening, sending you all our best. And you can, yeah. of course, email us at the divorce course podcast at gmail.com. If you've got any other podcast ideas, or you can come and find us at, um, the on Facebook or Instagram if you've got social media or you can even do our DIY divorce blueprint uh, which will open doors for in in a couple of months mm. and um, we have some lovely grey divorce members so and you won't talk, be on your own and we have a question and answer every week don't we Rose so we yes. talk to them yeah yeah all right take care thank you mum Bye-bye, Thanks, Laura. everybody. Bye, Bye everyone. If Bye. you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only, and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording.